Hello, my name is Dr. Barbara Sturm. Welcome to the Dr. Barbara Sturm podcast. The first four episodes of this new show are all about the menopause and will be with me and also with Mariella Foster. Been absolutely riveting. Mariella wrote a brilliant book called Cracking the Menopause, documented her own experience of the menopause for TV, and set up the Menopause Mandate, a collective of women, celebrities, campaign groups, and experts calling for better menopause understanding and provision in the UK. She was my recent guest on Skin School. It's been a treat to spend time with her on this podcast series. The podcast series is designed to be a one-stop primer on menopause. It will provide answers to the really important questions you have about it, whether you've yet to start or are in the midst of your menopause. In this series, we have already looked at the basics of menopause with Dr. Sharon Malone and talked about all things HRT with Dr. Paula Briggs, as well as how to manage menopause at work with Sharon MacArthur. But this fourth and final episode in the series is about menopause and relationships. People around me just don't understand what's going on. I talk openly with my husband and my husband encourages me to talk about it. To talk to us about this, we are over the moon to welcome psychoanalyst and psychotherapist Dr. Susie Orbach. Susie, can you hear us? Hello. Susie co-founded the Women's Therapy Center in London in 1976 and the Women's Therapy Center Institute in New York City in 1981. She is the author of 12 books, including Fat is a Feminist Issue and the prize-winning book Bodies. Susie joined us from her home in London and started by talking about her own experience of menopause. It was a bit perplexing, like it is for most people. You suddenly realize you're taking your jacket off and putting it on again in meetings, or you're kicking your leg out from the duvet and trying to get some cooling going. And after a while, you realize that, oh, this is the thing called the menopause, which is both annoying but also has an interest in it because it's a different phase of of life and so I suppose I was intrigued by whether these were real symptoms or whether they were culturally induced symptoms and what it provoked for me was talking to my girlfriends about what we were encountering and in a way that I suppose was a lot more grown up than what we could do when we first got our periods at the at the beginning of the cycle. How difficult do you think it is, Susie, for for women? I mean, obviously, you know, not for you because you're used to talking about what you're feeling and experiencing and, and, you know, psychology in in general. But how difficult do you think it is because of the sort of negative mythology around menopause? How difficult do you think it is for women to recognise that what might feel like depression even is actually something completely different? Yes, I think that's a really good point because... If one's used to being terribly active and looking after people or and going to work or whatever one's doing, to then feel slowed down and incomprehensibly or depressed, it's unless there's conversation about this could be, I think it is quite disabling and and shaming in a way. But that's the history of all of women's developments from getting a period and pregnancy and it's really only been the last few generations that's talked about things like our bodies changing in an open way and thank goodness but I think the minute you start talking about it I think where the tensions came 
in my generation was, should you take medication, shouldn't you take medication? Is this a natural process? If it is a natural process, well, then how do we embrace it? How do we not feel complicated about it? Or can we feel complicated and and exhausted but still feel okay about it? It was that kind of conversation that went round my circle of friends. How would you explain the difference between uh, depression, which you'll be used to dealing with in in patients, and menopausal symptoms? Because one of the things that people are very animated about at the moment is is the fact that so many GPs prescribe women antidepressants when they're going through menopause, and actually they don't really help. Yeah, I think that that's a real problem because GPs aren't given enough time really to, to listen. So if a, if a woman says that she feels low energy or inert or blue or depressed, then that becomes a mechanism for going down a pathway. But I, I, I think it, they are no help. And, and in the olden days, we would have had if GPs saw enough of a problem, they would they would offer a group, just like they do in postnatal groups, right? But we don't have that set up anymore. But that is what would be required, would be good leaflets and for GPs to be clear on if the woman's anywhere between 40 and 60 and she's expressing this, it is, our, it is worth checking where she is in terms of her menopause. Oh, Barbara, don't you love that idea, menopause group? I think it's I mean, genius, that would be... genius, because that's what we are actually working on, to bringing people together to talk about it and learn more about it, to not get upset or scared. And, you know, it affects your relationships, you know, it affects everything, yeah. Absolutely. I think the thing that I, I think that can be so difficult for women at work is that you're not necessarily working well, when people worked in offices, but with the cohort who are all the same age, right? So you're, you may be the only one going through it at work, and that's quite odd. So you do need something external where there's a community of people who are having varied but also connected responses to it. Mostly you are with your girlfriends, and, you know, do you think girlfriends talk enough about the topic, or do you think there is still a taboo between, like, these little groups in your inner circle? In my social circle, there was definitely no taboo about it. But I think if somebody has an early menopause, that is very, very difficult to talk about because it is so painful. And I think that's quite a different phenomena than women in their 50s, let's say, being able to talk about the inconvenience, the convenience, the heat, the cold, the being out of sorts, the losing words, which is, I think, a really terrible moment, the feeling that you actually have Alzheimer's, early onset, I think all of those things. When you talk about them with your friends, or it could be in a group, I think you feel not so much empowered, but you do feel, wait, this is a phenomena that we are going through, and this too will pass. We don't know where it'll take us to, but it will it will morph into something else. And indeed it does. And everything that I remember reading about and, and my friends did is that, you know, we got zest back, which was pretty damn interesting. When you're going into menopause early in your 40s, then you haven't heard about all the side effects because your friends, you guys haven't talked about it. So I can imagine it's very confusing. And then, yeah, I had the symptom finding, trying to find words and stuff. And it was so weird because... 
even I'm and I'm a doctor. I I learned about it not enough, obviously, but I learned about it, and I wasn't sure what this was. But you know, not being sure what it is is part of what what we've had to discover about women's bodies all the way through, yes. isn't it? Whether it's a heart attack or, and we've known this for a long time since the Columbia studies thirty years ago, that women don't experience medicine or medical issues in the same way as is expressed in the literature. So when it comes to specific women's reproductive issues, uh, we need to teach our girls to listen out for things as part of their education, is that these are exciting developments, they're interesting developments, you know, they allow you to reproduce and they also turn that mechanism off. And when that mechanism's turned off, there are really significant changes to the body, which we need to have a way of accepting so that we can live with them. How, how much do you think that the mythology, the sort of toxic mythology around menopause, has embedded itself so deeply in women's psychology that it's actually impacting on the way that they navigate that period? Well, it's an interesting question, Mariela. I mean, I'd be interested to see a study with what the links are between girls who are taught about the curse as a period and women who then have a tough menopause, what the psychological relationship between those two things are. Because I remember when, obviously when I had my period, but also when my daughter had her period, that the different responses in school as to whether this was a moment of celebration or whether this was going to be a drudgery and a terrible thing that happened arced the different girls' relationship to their own bodies. And I think that's very much the case with menopause, that if it's introduced to you as something that's absolutely awful, it's a space that you can tuck in awfulness to, not saying that, that it doesn't have difficulties, but that then becomes a kind of way of coding it. Whereas if somebody says, oh, well, for me, it wasn't a big deal, that gives you the option to think, well, maybe it won't be a big deal for me. It doesn't mean if it is that I've somehow failed, it just means there are other options. There isn't a one-size-fits-all. And that's one of the frustrating things at the moment because, you know, in the sort of battle, if you will, to get menopause recognised and supported and treated and women actually able to access the the things they want, uh, it does feel like there's a really negative portrait of it building. I think that's true, but I think that's also linked to what we think about women's sexuality and attractiveness at that point. It's that it's the disappearing of of one's erotic power, so to speak, which of course is complete and utter nonsense. But that is the cell of society, is that only young nubile bodies matter, and that once you've either reproduced or you haven't, but you're coming to the end of reproductive time, that you have nothing of vibrancy or of sexuality or of lustiness to offer, which is just absolutely insane. I mean, you might not have it, you know, right smack in the middle of the menopause. That does not mean that you will become an invisible person. And I think women have to, well, women are fighting together to challenge that not just the invisibility, but the sort of cronish insults that go along with 
what are biological phenomena which have served society very, very well. I don't know if either of you have ever seen there's a really funny comedy sketch by um, the comedian Amy Schumer and uh, basically it's about your last fuckable day. <laughs> which, yeah, right. <laughs> which is basically as you hit menopause, that's it. You know, you're just waving goodbye to Yeah, but, I, you know, it really so isn't. From my clinical experience, I see women of all ages, obviously, and I've been doing it for a very long time because I am now in the old age situation. And so many women that I have encountered have found a renewed and different sexual interest post-menopause. And we don't talk enough about that. We think only about dryness and difficulty and sandpaper and all of that. That's simply not the case. You know, new sexual interests can emerge and they can provide a, a richness and a new relationship to confidence for women. So you give us a really positive outlook on menopause and postmenopause. I want to dive in a little more into this because I think we need to also embrace getting into this last bit of our life. You have such a great experience. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what's so great about, you know, our postmenopause phase. Well, look, I think it's it's not that it's what's so great about it. It's that life is a, is a set of possibilities. And when there are shifts, and it is a dramatic shift, it's a chance to, to not only get to know yourself again and who you are at this moment, but to share that and to be curious about life again. I mean, just like in the pandemic, we all had to learn how the hell we we live lives when we're constrained and we're in, in, in very different circumstances. We got curious about what was this? Who are we now? All right. When you start a new relationship, you present yourself, you meet the other person as you are then. The excitement that comes with that is by finding a form of self-engagement and interest in others that is appropriate to that moment and I think what happens in life is that we forget to do that particularly in relationships and even in friendships that we don't often share how we're changing how we're thinking whether it's delight despair or more complicated opinions about things and and I think that's what's interesting about any phase in life and menopause and post-menopause are no different than that there's something quite relieving about not being interested in certain things or by having opinions that are at odds with things you thought before or things that don't quite fit and as long as those don't get shut off but can be held I think it's it's quite an enriching period. Yeah, Susie, I wanted to ask you about one aspect of that, which is that, um, you know, during menopause, the perceived wisdom is that your brain is, is, is changing. And uh, you'll be very familiar with the idea that, that women, throughout a large part of their lives, sort of extend themselves perhaps too far in terms of nurturing and looking after everyone around them and perhaps less so looking after themselves. And there is a suggestion that during menopause, pause, your focus goes from this kind of nurture mode that has been attached to your to your fertility, perhaps, into something that becomes more selfish, that allows you to think about yourself more. And that's why so many women do kind of brave and interesting things in their 50s and upwards. Well, yeah, I, I think it really does depend. I think if one has, as many, many, many women throughout the world do, 
if what we've done is the provision of care, emotional care, physical care, all of the looking after to two generations at a time that can be really difficult, or three, even, you know, your partner if you've got one, your kids and your parents, that falls away slightly, then there is an entitlement to some kind of focus of energy to self. And I don't I I think it's been wonderful to see the vibrancy and the energy of women's contribution recently. And there's been enough of it that there's less of a put down or less exceptionalism about it. I don't know anybody who's kind of ready to give up, even if we have days on which we want to give up. I think there is a real desire to make a contribution from a different place. That doesn't mean a non-nurturing contribution, but it just means that other energies are available. Going through all those side effects, brain fog, hot flashes, anxiety, has an effect on relationships with our friends, with our partner, with our teens. How, how do we manage, how do we cope with that? We're all such beginners at it because it's our first time and that's part of the problem. So I don't think it's terribly useful to tell your children you're in the menopause because it's not really their business. What's interesting is how you're going, if you have a partner, is how you're going to make the arrangements that account for the fact that you may not be as sparky or you may be so disruptive in bed compared to whatever sleeping pattern you've had or you might not be interested in sexual engagement or you might be more interested. I think the only thing you can do is to talk I think you have to talk with peers. So a peer could be your partner and your girlfriends. I think that's much more important. And saying, I've got brain fog. I mean, you can obviously say that to kids, but I don't think it means anything to them. And I don't think kids ever want to be burdened by what their parents are going through. They just want to know their parents are, are them. And please, you know, leave us out of any discussion about what's going on for you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's very true. But I think the impact on, I mean, as you say, you know, talk about it with your partner absolutely the right advice but I think for a lot of women that's very problematic and I also think for a lot of men particularly if your partner is a man they are impacted by this toxic mythology around menopause as well so the very um the very thought of menopause is kind of repulsive and I wonder how much impact that has on on people's relationships yeah That's true, but they have, you know, men have problems too, which I think have to be, we have to be sympathetic to, particularly if women are in heterosexual relationships. It's a lot. Men' expression of their fertility is, men don't don't necessarily get hard erections, right? That's why we have a whole industry that's producing Viagra and Cialis, etc. Those are both psychological and physical issues for men, and I think that requires some kind of sympathy and understanding as well. So I don't think it's that we need to trumpet with our issues, but that different stages of life provide challenging but interesting opportunities for couples to share what's going on for them rather than to be hiding in shame. I, I totally agree. I think you have to talk to your partner because it's very knew that you run away in bed or you know all of a sudden sexual interaction hurts and you don't know really what it is and then 
so many divorces happen through menopause. That's also a thing, you know, or you think, oh, my husband is in midlife crisis. He's running away with a 25-year-old, yeah? But, Correct. you know, if your husband doesn't get satisfaction in bed with you, I mean, there's like, you have to talk. Yeah, but I don't know if it is literally around the sexuality. You see, I think it may be the withdrawal of the woman being as available or it may it may be the sexuality but it may be that if she's going into herself and she's having brain fog or she's feeling blue or underpowered there's a hole in the relationship which if they don't talk about it can lead to yes I'm going for a younger model mm. which is absolutely devastating for children at that age because they're children who've grown up in a household that's had two parents, right? <laughs> and, and then everything be becomes kind of a <sighs> fiction about what they could trust because things change. You know what's interesting as well, though, writing the book, uh, uh, Cracking the Menopause, uh, we talked also to quite a few lesbian couples and I'd always sort of presumed that the sort of halcyon uh, thing would be to be involved in a relationship with a woman in your 50s when you're going through menopause because then you would have someone incredibly nurturing and understanding but actually the, the sort of anecdotal evidence was that that's equally hard because either you've got two women going through the same thing impacting on them differently <laughs> yes. as, as, as you've said you know it's entirely subjective but, but also there's this sense going back to what you were saying about about heterosexual couples, that one partner is is kind of withdrawing into themselves in order to manage this very difficult liminal period that they're going through. Do you think that's true? You know, I can't say yes or no, really, because I think that is one of the possibilities. I think it's all to do with the what levels of openness and engagement can you have when you're in a couple? Can you risk it? Because risking intimacy, and I'm not talking sexual intimacy per se, but risking saying who you are at this moment and what interests you and what you're scared of and what your strengths are and what your vulnerabilities are. We don't keep each other up to that. We take it for granted that we know the other. And that's, I think, more important, frankly, the being able to engage, uh, even with hesitancy about who one is at this point. I, I feel I'm doing this or I've lost that or I, I'm nervous about this and I never used to be or I feel really... All those kinds of conversations, if they can happen between two people, are going to strengthen relationship and going to expand relationship rather than limit and constrain and make it feel like a mean place. I don't want to sound evangelical and sort of it's so easy what I'm saying, but I do think that that is what's actually needed. So psychologically, how do you think women can best uh, navigate menopause? Well, I suppose number one is acceptance. You know, even if it's incredibly annoying <laughs> and disappointing and perplexing and physically uncomfortable is just like we have an eye on other people and how we usually look after them which okay how do I look after myself how do I accept this rather than fight it in a way that's unhelpful to me I don't want to use I suppose I, I think the way psychologically is not to use energy to think you can suppress it but to say right these are 
new conditions for the moment. It's a, it's a bit tough, but I'm going to learn my body in this particular moment, and I'm going to I'm going to be kind to myself in terms of how how this works. I mean, at simple level of practicalities of duvets of of shirts on and off or whatever it is, I'm going to have to do that and and not deny what's happening. But that really requires a very strong mental you know resilience yes mm. so what can we do is there a thing like meditation or some training mentally which would support us i don't know i presume podcasts like this and books and there's a whole i must have been sent so many books on the menopause in the last period of time you only need to read so one it, susie it, <laughs> of course <laughs> because i think it's it's look I'm the generation that talked about women's experience, right? And that then opened up all sorts of stories about children's experience. And now the menopause is being talked about in a really interesting way that is going to challenge the closed and narrow way in which I think it's been thought about. And when you when that happens, women will be able to find themselves within it and and to not go into denial or, or go into patterns of feeling that there's something nasty about it, but that it is just is and is, and that that is what's going to be psychologically helpful. Do you think that there is a, a possibility of a future where menopause does become a, a word that conjures not sort of all of the negativity that it currently does, but the idea of a wonderful new horizon. Because I think for a lot of women, once they have gone through the worst of the symptoms and once they found support and perhaps gone on to HRT or whatever uh, they choose to, to assist them on that journey, that there is a, a real sense of, of liberation at the end of it, you, a sort of devil-may-care attitude that instills itself. Absolutely. But now, it would be nice if we could bring that sort of a fair earlier, but maybe the consciousness or the awareness that that is part of what happens after this period of the menopause is can then shine something back that's embracing. But I think if we're really thinking about this, we really need the anthropologists to go around the world and see how women experience this because there are cultures in which this is not a disaster menopause is not right and we're not just waiting for that time after uh, so i think we we need to gather things that can help women through this period as well as um remind ourselves of 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 the energy that does explode afterwards thank you to susie orbach All four episodes of the Dr. Barberstone podcast, Menopause with Mariella Frostrup, are available now. We hope you enjoy them and get a lot out of them. Please do share with others who might find them useful. The Dr. Barberstone podcast is a Feast Collective production in association with Finch and Partners. The producer is Catherine Carr and the executive producer is Kate Taylor. Do come and chat to us about the series on Instagram at Dr. Barberstone and Mariella Frostrup. As you can probably tell, we really, really want more women to know about the menopause and to have the power that knowledge can bring. So if you are enjoying the series, please spread the word.